Hello and welcome back to my podcast. I'm your host, Sadia Khan. I want to talk about something really important today. It's extremely crucial to me that the Alien Chronicles podcast is involved in giving back and giving to causes that are important to us. It's been almost one year since the Trump administration's policy of family separation came to light, and the problem still persists. In fact, it hasn't really gotten all that much better. Just this week, the New Yorker sat down with the organization Rises to discuss Trump administration's recent actions, revealing that the consequences of Border Patrol's continued mistreatment are great and far-reaching. RISES is a legal organization that is leading the fight against the current administration's immigration policies that are putting lives of children at risk. Moving forward, we have decided that for one month, for the month of July, a portion of the proceeds from the Alien Chronicles GoFundMe will be directed to RISES. Now on to my interview with Jennifer Asif. I didn't realize when we were first being delayed on our interview that, that I didn't think about the fact that they might be doing that because of his religion. And then I've learned and our lawyer and everyone have been saying that they think that was the reason. But then they fully denied him right after the very next day after the article came out. My today's guest is not a typical immigrant, or not even first, second-gen kid of immigrants. Her story is different. Today, I talked to Jennifer Asif. Her husband, Adnan Asif Perveen, was recently deported by ICE, apparently due to an error in their system. Asif was born in Pakistan, and he grew up in Spain. Asif and Jennifer met in 2014 when he was visiting his family in the U.S., he didn't speak much English when they met, but Jennifer and Asif became close, and Jennifer helped him with his English. They fell in love, got married three years ago, and Asif filed an application for an adjustment to his status as an immigrant nearly two years ago. His request was based on his marriage to Jennifer, a U.S. citizen. Their lawyer said at the time they had a slam-dunk case. The couple got all the way to the scheduled interview for Asif with the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services, but the interview was apparently cancelled for further background checks and the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services never rescheduled it. Asif was still able to work off the work permit papers he already had and became a truck driver. In the meantime, the couple renewed Asif's work permit and were waiting on it in the mail. He was under this six-month extension when he was stopped at a checkpoint in Texas. And he was arrested because apparently in ICE's system, his name was showing on the list of people whose extension had expired. That happened in January this year. He was in the detention center for almost five months and then he was deported to Spain. During his detention, he was reportedly only fed pork sandwiches for six days and he is an observant Muslim. Even though guidelines require the agency to accommodate religious dietary restrictions. 
Jennifer has been through a lot since her husband's deportation. We will talk to Jennifer about what's happening now and what's next for Jennifer and Asif. Welcome, Jennifer, to my show. So good to have you here. Hi, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. So, Jennifer, we'll start with what the current situation is. Can you tell us what's going on right now? Well, my husband's still in Spain right now. Um, he started working part-time at a restaurant there, and he's working to try to get his CDL license in Spain so he can truck dive to make money for us to be able to pay for fees for reapplying for things for him. Um, we are trying to turn the I-130 approval that we got into a visa for him to come back here, but we're not sure how long that's going to take. And uh, it's, we're going to have to pay more money for filing for everything and start over again trying to get his green card. So his green card was rejected? Yes. Um, when... When we had a first Huffington Post article come out about our story and about them feeding him pork, immediately the next day, ICE and USCIS, they denied his green card application that they had had on hold for uh, over a year and a half. And uh, it was dated the very next day after the article came out and I got the letter in the mail denying them, denying the green card. And then... They sent me a letter the same time telling me to come in to finish our interview by myself. And we got approved for the I-130 as a bona fide marriage, but they denied the actual green card part because they said their reasoning was because he had overstayed in the past, which actually isn't a real reason for denying. They approve people for that all the time. We think we just angered them with our talking about the way that he was treated. So you think the real reason is because you your story was uh, reported in, in the press? Yes, and the fact that we put them in a negative light, I think it made it worse. I didn't realize when we were first being delayed on our interview that, that I didn't think about the fact that they might be doing that because of his religion. And then I've learned and our lawyer and everyone have been saying that they think that was the reason, but then they fully denied him right after the very next day after the article came out. So Jennifer, when you say you think and your lawyer also thinks it was because of the religion, what like is there any evidence to suggest that? Well, he has no criminal record at all and we were proved proven even by them that we have a bona fide marriage they proved that just in one interview with me but for some reason they just denied us for all of this time for no explanation and uh, the Huffington Post reporter I spoke to he said that that happens to a lot of Muslim people all the time uh, they will just just delay them for years and not do anything so Jennifer do you guys have any backup plan in case his green card uh, application is denied again and first of all I would like to reiterate something to my listeners that it's an extremely ex- expensive process so when we talk about legal immigration and applying it can cost anywhere from 
upwards of $1,200 for each individual. So it is an extremely expensive process. And for you, you ha- you're going through it twice. So in case, if it gets denied again, do you guys have a backup plan? Yes, um, you're correct on that. We've spent thousands and thousands of dollars on lawyers and fees for filing everything and having to do it again. We would probably only try this this one more time. Um, if if we happen to get denied again, which I w- wouldn't be surprised about at this point, uh, we had talked about possibly moving to the edge of Canada to be as close to my family as possible and living there. I've also talked about going and visiting him in Spain and possibly getting dual citizenship in Europe so that we would be able to have that as an option as well. And it's easier to be able to do that than to be able to do it in the U.S. And it must be so frustrating for you to to see that in your own country, you, you're facing so much resistance. I've lived here my whole life. I just don't understand how it can be so difficult to do this. We have a real marriage. We just want to be together and have a life here. We did have a life. We were both working. We were both paying taxes. We were trying to build a family and a life together. And I don't know why our government's making it so impossible. Jennifer, talking about your marriage, I want to take a step back and and talk about how you guys met. My husband, he had come here to visit from Spain. He was only here for three months on a a visa waiver and he was visiting family. He had he came in, in New York but then he came to Columbus where he had family and I met him here and we started spending time together just as friends at first and he didn't know very much English at the time and I was helping him work on that also and we started sharing information about each other and our families and backgrounds and we ended up falling in love and he had planned on going back to Spain but we didn't want to be apart and didn't know when we would be able to be together again so he ended up overstaying which was not a a good way of doing it on our part but we we love we loved each other and we ended up moving in together maybe after dating for almost a year and we lived together for uh, probably a year and a half and then we got married and and what did you like the most about him what do you like the most about him i like the fact that he is a very gentle kind soul he is a better person as far as giving to people than even I am. He, we always joke that he would say yes to any helping anybody with anything. He's very trusting. He's very kind, gentle, helps everybody. I guess that's the best quality about him. And he is very affectionate and loving. And I, I like that part too. I spoke about uh, events that le- led to his arrest briefly in my intro, but I want you to talk 
about them in more detail. What what led to his arrest? He had been here on a work permit while we were waiting for the green card interview. And because of the fact that they had denied him, we had to spend more money trying to reply or apply for a renewal on the work permit because it only lasts for a year at a time. And when you apply by law with them, you get a six-month extension for everything to process through to be able to get your new renewal. And he was still under that extension for several months. And and he was working down in Texas uh, as a truck driver. And he was on his way up from near the border. And he got stopped at the checkpoint that goes through Texas near, Les, near West Laco. And they had an error in their system that is an error for a lot of people in the same circumstance where if they are in under the extension it just doesn't show up and it shows that they're just expired and that they aren't under it so they've been picking up a lot of people for the very same reason and they arrested him that night there even though he showed them all the paperwork and they kept him at West Laco that first night and I didn't he was on his way back to see me and he was supposed to be there the next morning but instead of him being there uh, his cousin that he works with called me and told me that they had let him know they had arrested him and that he needed to go pick up the truck otherwise I would have never found out about it at all they and so a couple days later, I flew down to Texas to try to find where he was. They wouldn't tell me any information, especially not over the phone. And they barely told me anything in person. And I searched around at the con- Spanish consulate. I talked to congressmen and women's offices. I searched all over trying to get information on where he was. And finally, after a few days there, they let me him call me one night, and he told me that he was okay and where he was. And I still had to wait another couple of days until he was transferred to Port Isabel before I could see him in person. And he told me there, right when I saw him, he had lost weight because he hadn't been eating anything except for a little bit of the bread. And uh, he just looked awful, and he told me about what they did there. And I visited him every day, and I found lawyers there, and uh, I tried to get everything taken care of that I could, but I could only stay there for a few weeks because I was... Uh, he had the majority of our income and everything, and I had to get back to get everything taken care of at home. So you were not like you're not working currently, is that correct? I am. I'm I'm driving for Uber and Lyft, but um, I've had a lot of health problems for a while now, and I haven't had steady income or been able to work full time. He he was the one that did the primary support for us, and. I lost all of that 
and I have been having to take care of everything by myself since he was arrested. And it must be so difficult for you, Jennifer. And going back to what you said about uh, Asif losing weight and all, uh, it's been widely reported that Asif was fed pork while in detention. Now, to some of my listeners, this may not be a big deal, but Asif is an observant Muslim. And um, what I have seen recently is that pork is being weaponized to torture Muslims, even in other parts of the world. We've seen it being used in China against uh, Uyghur Muslims, um, former prisoners of Chinese um, so-called re-education camps uh, for Muslims have said that they were forced to drink alcohol and eat pork as part of Beijing's efforts to stifle dissent and ensure compliance. Um, And then we see um, Trump administration that has sought to expand government's role in fostering religious freedom. We see that both at home and abroad. Just recently, um, U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo talked about how they should elevate, um, U.S. should elevate um, religious freedom rights uh, within the U.S. and abroad as well. And then we see this dichotomy where migrant detainees in detention centers, um, migrants of faith, have seen their religious freedoms being curtailed. And this is specifically against minorities. So I just wanted to bring that point up so that listeners understand why it's such a big deal. How have people reacted to your situation, Jennifer? People in your community, you live in Columbus, Ohio, um, and your family, and have you seen people, you know, reach out, show solidarity? What what kind of response have you gotten so far? As far as people that I know, I have gotten a lot of support, and I very much appreciate it. As far as like social media comments and things that I've seen from articles about us and everything, I also see a lot of the negatives and people saying racist, terrible things about our situation. But uh, the support from people I know has been really awesome. And even people that I don't know, um, we have a GoFundMe and people have donated to help me with the cost of things. And I went to a march in in January against the wall and I spoke there and a lot of people supported me there also. And people are just outraged and saddened by what's happening. And I think it hits closer to home for them because it's somebody that they know. It's different when you look and... I mean, it's still awful when you see things happen to people that you read about, but when you see it happening personally, it's different level. Yeah, and you've been dealing with a lot of health issues as well, right? Yes, and um, I just was in the hospital for a week a couple weeks ago, and I found out that I have multiple sclerosis too, so I I just keep having things happen, (laughs) so it's been rough. So when we post your story, like when we post it on our website, we will also post your uh, GoFundMe link so that if people want to contribute to your GoFundMe, they can they can do that. What's next for you now? Uh, well, right now I'm trying to work as much as I can. Uh, I was under IV treatment and it was really wearing me down so I wasn't working very much but I'm trying to now to save up so that we can 
file for his visa to come back and and possibly for me to get to go and visit him in Spain because it's been really hard to be apart and especially when I was sick he was frantic talking about like coming back again illegally just to be with me and my and our lawyer and I were telling him that was a, not a good idea even though he wanted to be with me because that would mean he would be kicked out for even longer and uh, we it's just sad that we have to be apart for no reason at all that we haven't done anything wrong if he gets visa then he can re-enter the US and um, stay here until his green card is processed is is that the case uh yes he would be able to come back on a visa uh with a hardship because of me being sick and he would uh be able to come back and stay until we got his green card approved but they've as far as i'm concerned they've been playing dirty this whole time with us so i i don't feel strongly that they're going to give us an, an easy time with this so i'm not sure when that will happen and we're going to have to put out all the money and everything again that we already did and what is that you want people to know about your marriage um if there are any what is that you want people to know i want them to know that we love each other and we're we were really happy we were working to try to have a family and a life we had the same kind of dreams that everybody else has that are together and just because one person's from another country or is another religion it doesn't mean we don't have the same love that everybody else does and it doesn't mean that we should be denied or have to work this hard to try to be together if we were both in the same country to begin with we would be together right now it's it's just ridiculous that it's that this is happening and it doesn't seem to be getting any better. Jennifer, I normally in the end um of my interview I ask my guests to describe America in one word or a sentence and um given all that you've been through and what you're feeling right now, how would you describe America in in one word or a sentence? I think it's it's very hate-filled right now. Uh I mean there's a lot of love but hate fills. Do you think it's it's now or was it implicit even before say 2016 elections or it it's just surfaced now? I I think it was it was this way before to a degree but I think it is increased greatly and I feel like it's being fueled by our government. The hate is fuel, being fueled and and it's it's more acceptable people think now to show it outwardly i guess and is there anything else that uh, any other ways in which people can help uh, other than go fund me can can you suggest any other ways where people can help i don't know about as far as for us but i i think that it would be awesome if people would even donate to help 
organizations that are trying to help all the other immigrants that are going through the same thing right now. Uh, my husband was with people down there that I've talked to and I know their situations. Um, and I've seen he had someone in his room that fought for asylum because they were trying to kill him in his country and he fought for three months for it and they denied him and he went back to his room and cried for hours and they tried to console him and the guards ended up just taking him away and deporting him back to die and stuff like and I saw these little kids going in to see their dad and crying when they were being taken away from getting to visit him for just an hour I, I mean there's more horrible stories than even what's happening to us and just if people can donate to any organizations that are trying to help fight this and trying to help these people this is so much bigger than just our story I feel like helping anybody in this situation would be a very good thing Thank you so much, Jennifer. Thank you for sharing your story on my podcast. And, and uh, hopefully, uh, Asif will get visa and he will be back. Um, we, you guys will be reunited. And we will post information about um, your GoFundMe and all any other information that we can on our website once we post your episode. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And thank you, everyone, for taking the time out to listen. Give us feedback. And if you like what you hear, please share. We have a GoFundMe. Details are on website and social media and also in the description. Until next time, when we bring another inspiring story and in the meantime, stay connected.